This is the show with Cannon Brown. And he said, if you want to see how smart you are, go take the dorper that everyone else in the clubland world, specifically, perceives as terrible livestock, <laughs> for the show ring anyways, and make them something that they can appreciate. You know, like your uh, your blackface breeders or your Southdown guys, you know, arguably have had 75 to 100 years jump start on you of being yeah. a club lamb. And he said, if you want to make a name for yourself, figure it out. What's going on, guys? This is Cannon Brown, and you're tuned into the show. Back for another week, another interview, another story. This week, I've got Mr. Colton Black. You saw the name. He's a great guy. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, we're going to be friends in the future. I think he's going to be a reoccurring guest. We're going to have to get a live interview with him and his wife, Catherine. His wife uh, was also featured on Legendary Mindset this week. Uh, so if you're interested in kind of the backstory on uh, the whole Kelly Goat deal, go tune into that one. Colton and I kind of stick to the production of what they're doing right now. They're kind of into the sheep deal, the dorpers, and they're dipping into the blackface. So that's what we kind of talk about among a million other things. You guys know me if you listen uh, regularly. I get on a lot of tangents. I like them. Don't, Don't worry about it, okay? I know you guys like it sometimes too. Speaking of Legendary Mindset, check out the other podcast in the Barra Media Podcast Network, The Keeper Pen with Maddie Caldwell and Jenna Wheeler, and Cattle Pros with Jake Scott. Uh, we've, got, we've got a great community building, guys. We've got uh, over 40,000 people listening to us monthly, uh, which is absolutely incredible, and, and it's continuing to grow. Uh, it's, it's just a, it, an incredible thing that we're... Uh, we're creating here and I love that these podcasts are going out and I like that you guys are really really enjoying them so hopefully you guys continue to enjoy to enjoy them and uh, we'll keep putting them out as much as possible so that's enough of me talking obviously go follow the social medias at the show pod Um, other than that let's do it Mr. Colton Black you're safer here than any place else now just lock yourself in and keep quiet Mr. Colton Black, how are you today? Man, I'm doing good. After a holiday weekend, it's uh, like a double Monday. <laughs> Heck yeah, it is. But you said you still were running around like crazy today. Sure. So, uh, I mean, literally right out our back door right now, there's welders, skid steers, and everything going on. Um, we're in the process of building another barn, um, which I'll get into that a little bit later. But um, we just acquired these blackface shoes and... Uh, that, that's been a, a learning curve. Uh, not going to lie. Heck yeah. <laughs> it, dude. It's interesting. You get a little growing pain sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It, it just depends on how you look at it, to be honest with you. Exactly. Uh, yeah. If you're writing a check, not so much, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you get to enjoy the scenery, yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful for you. You know, that's one of these, and this isn't something we have to get into really heavily now, but the investment that people have to make to try to run a really high quality livestock program it's a lot more than just buying 50 head of ewes i mean there's 
there's so much behind the scenes work that has to go into it that people don't realize that investment is huge when it comes to like the ground floor and building it up. No doubt. I mean, that's a, I mean, everybody thinks, I mean, you're, you're making a killing at the end of the day and me, uh, I'm pretty heavily motivated by the dollar and, and, uh, the almighty math at the end of the day. And if you equate your time and, and, and energy that's outside there, give that a dollar valuation, and then include the uh, facilities. Um, it isn't always beautiful. I, I can assure you, it's not for the faint of heart. It's definitely not, dude. I, I remember um, I raised pigs growing up, uh, sure. so, so that's my background. But I remember some, like 4-H families, they'd be like, oh, you can you just have a guilt you can buy for 275 bucks, and then it has 13 of these that you can sell for 275 bucks. <laughs> and we're, sure. like, we're like, that's like not that's one that's, perspective yeah. yeah that's one perspective of it. everything happens really nice like 10 percent out of the time but the other 90 sure. percent is where you're going to get kicked and 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 it's not always going to turn out real good the first time anyway so it's no it's always a rude awakening for people that are like oh yeah this seems pretty easy let's do this deal <laughs> no doubt it looks good from the outside there's it no really doubt does. about that Sure, but that's good too because it separates people. It separates the people that are actually going to put the investment that we've been talking about into it, and the investment that's needed uh, to to run a high quality livestock production outfit. Sure, especially these days. I've got a uh, a brother that's heavily influenced in agriculture as well, but on a completely different spectrum in terms of like the farming aspect. And um, I always ask him. I'm like. He gives presentations in front of a lot of farmers and so forth. And, you know, just the, the mom and pop guys who are, are literally dying out there. Um, and I ask them, you know, what do you say to those people or what are you told to tell them, uh, you know, in today's world that we're living in? And he said, that's pretty easy. He said, get big or get out. Oh. And, uh, you know, uh, you always take a little bit of advice as you hear it, and, you know, even though it doesn't apply to you directly. But if you listen to that and you think about it, man, that that's as accurate, I think, as it comes in today's world we're living in. Well, the thing that I can't wrap my head around is, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? You know, I, I just don't know. I mean, it all depends on how, how you look at it. I mean, right now, um, it just cost a fortune to get up and rolling. You know, if you were the uh, modern day, even me, and I was graduating from college and I wanted to raise show lambs or go farm, I just can't wrap my head around how you do it. I just don't. Yeah. It, it, it's unfortunate. It is. Um, I worry about my kids every day because of that. But uh, um, it, it's diff definitely a, an interesting perspective and food for thought, for sure. Well, and... We, I know when I was going through school and going through junior organizations, we always got hit with the statistics saying that the average farmer is above 55 years old or something like that, and no one else is securing that job after them because sure. their son doesn't want to do it or, or their nephew or somebody doesn't want to buy the farm. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the thing that you just stated, that there's a huge upfront cost in the beginning, that is definitely not helping people get into this industry and it's definitely not helping that age come down because sure, I, I no. know a lot of 20 to 30 year olds that have a million dollars just to spend on a farm and then another half a million to spend on the equipment 
Sure. I mean, you're exactly right. And I know you don't know this part of my life, but, uh, it's a huge one to make this whole thing turn, but I'm, uh, uh, real estate agent, um, heavily involved in the area where we're at right now or where we call home, um, North central Texas. And, um, you know, I just deal with those people every single day of either, you know, grandma and grandpa, it's time to sell out. Kids don't want nothing to do it, do with it. Or I see the, uh, 25 to 30 year old trying to get their ball rolling and it's all they know is agriculture and they know they want a horse or or something and man it's it's interesting uh i don't know how they're able to pull it off but you know a lot of people do and uh they make it work so um it's just interesting to think about and look at every aspect of life now you working as a real estate agent up there Sure. Where do, you, where do you see those farms can like, what do those con- farms convert into when you sell them to when that mom and pop wants to get out of business? Cause no one wants to take over the farm. What's who's buying that property. What's that property getting turned into most like most of the time. So this is not going to be what probably a lot of our listeners want to hear. <laughs> well, that, it doesn't matter. This is real life right here. Sure it is. And so, um, you know, I am completely against, um, dividing up ranch land and, 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 you know, dispersing something in 10 to five acre tracks, but it, where we're at, that's the world we live in. And, yeah. and those are the cash or the checks that I'm cashing are off of that. And, and so more times than not, um, you know, if there's an opportunity for it to be developed in a 10 acre track to still maintain an ag exemption in Texas and then have a house on it, um, that's happening all day long. Oh Yeah. Well, that's a that's a benefit to the person that's buying that house, right? Mm-hmm. It's a real benefit. Sure. So they're they're wanting, they're wanting that anytime they can get new homeowners are looking for that in Texas at all times. Man, it is. It's just absolutely crazy. I mean, we're uh, you know, cutting up two to five hundred acres, putting them in ten acre tracks, and literally, I have them all under contract. Uh, knock on wood. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'm in and out. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, here's the deal. Like it's, it's good for you at, as your business and I'm, and we're not trying to knock your business at all. I mean, you're a real estate agent. The, the stuff is going to get sold whether you're there or not. Sure, so, sure. But it's just, it's kind of just a devastating outlook. Um, when you think about all the land that's being developed that, that has been farmland for so long and it's just kind of getting taken out of production, which only leads those bigger producers to just kind of hold on to their big plots of land and not really let anybody come in their way. Sure. Uh, The only way I can really justify it is hoping that, you know, maybe that does create an opportunity for some young individual who can't afford the two to 500 acres can afford the 10 and have a handful of sheep or hogs or whatever it is. And, and, uh, you know, maybe make a dream come true. Uh, uh, I mean, that's, at least the way I justify it in my mind whenever I go to bed at night. Sure. Yeah. Now, okay. So, wow. I didn't think we were going to get into any real estate on this. I know. Yeah. Curveball. (laughs) But I like it. I like it. I mean, especially just in terms of the real estate market right now, it's, it's very interesting because we like, as you know, and as the listeners know, interest rates are super low right now. So people are wanting to kind of buy up as much as possible are you looking into the future and kind of hesitant about um, the future of interest rates when it comes to real estate? Or do you think it's going to be pretty secure? 
man, I am. I'm always nervous about, you know, what's to come. Um, I know that it can't stay where it's at forever. And, and so that always makes me a bit nervous. Um, you know, even outside of my profession, I deal with it personally of, you know, should we be securing more land that is contiguous with our existing ranch or not? And, um, you know, I'm asking people to write that check all day long. However, whenever it comes time to, for me to do it myself, I'm like eight to $10,000 an acre running hair sheep and some black face sheep. <laughs> like, man, the math I, I doesn't work buy, out. <laughs> no, I, I can buy a lot of feed um, yeah. for that amount of money per acre, but yeah. um, sure. That's it. No, I just, because I look at interest rates right now and I'm like, dude, I, I wish I had the money. I wish I could go out and get a plot of land just to have it because there's no way they're, they're going to stay this stable. Just, no, in, just in my opinion. I mean, they're so, so low right now. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely good to be working off of their money for right now. Yeah. Yes, sir. So if anybody out there is looking to buy some land, you, 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 contact, <laughs> exactly. you contact Colton Black. He'll get you set up in North Texas. <laughs> no, that's uh, yeah. it, it's interesting. Okay, real estate talk out of the way. Now, when you grew up, did you grow up in Texas as well? I did. Um small town USA central tech or uh, Southwest Texas, excuse me, um, for the later part of my childhood or, um, out there around Uvalde. Um, anyways, definitely, a, a different type of culture, different aspect of life, but, uh, definitely. Yes, sir. What now what happens in that part of Texas? I'm not really familiar with that area. Sure. It's a uh, big ranch land. Okay. Um, I, I would say, uh, as much as crop and, and, and cattle, it's it's a big time hunting facility uh, or uh, area of the Texas there that a um, lot of hunting and that, that would prop up that economy quite a bit. Did you hunt quite a bit when you were living there? You know, I didn't. Um, so, you know, my childhood or, or that later part of my childhood, um, the one thing that I can definitely say that I got from my parents and my father is, is uh a work ethic. And so, uh, as much as, you know, a lot of my friends and so forth were, were goofing off on the weekends, going hunting, having fun. Um, it, it was definitely very much so time to work and any spare time I had was, uh, playing with the hogs in the show barn. Oh, you're a hog guy. Yeah. By heart. Or- <laughs> Colton, what are we doing? I was I thinking this whole time you were a sheep guy. This this whole interview when we were leading up to it, <laughs> and you're a hog guy. Oh gosh, now we can talk. <laughs> exactly. I mean, still that's kind of where my heart is. Or nice. I always have a sentimental spot for that. But uh, um, yes, grew up showing hogs. Sure. What's your uh, What'd you grow up raising? What's your favorite breed? You know, I was always pretty partial to a good Duroc. Oh, now you're speaking my language. Yeah. So uh, that, that's where I uh, um, got my start and, and always tried to have a good red hog in the barn um, throughout high school. Um, you know, was always uh, expected to place at a major ultra competitive at the county level and so forth. Um, never hit a, 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 you know, a big lick, but um, I was always that kid kind of obsessed with it, really. I mean, yeah. the outcast, right? <laughs> you know, I didn't... Uh, uh, love sports, did all of that stuff. But, um, at the end of the day, I'd much rather be in the hog barn. 
Dude, I love that. What years did you grow up showing? You know, I started, uh, you know, young at the age of nine, um, you know, ultimately ended up graduating um, their high school. Um, but in uh, 2006, excuse me. Um, so right in that time, frame okay. when I did that. So, you know, I was, you know, whenever I was younger, it was definitely the hard doing um crazy looking <laughs> yeah oh yeah the long <laughs> yeah. ones yeah the uh one bore i remember just back in my prime was uh uh high point uh 997337 and uh as i go back and, and i looked on google shoot it had been about six months to a year ago and just <laughs> I, I just thought man that was the coolest boar that had ever come out and, and it was a sire one of my favorite pigs that i showed and I just looked at that, and you, you kind of silently throw up in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, dude. Yeah. I, I looked through those those old, like, seed stock edges from the early 2000s, and I remember when I was, like, I mean, I, I had to have been, like, nine years old looking at those when I first started showing, and I sure. thought they were the coolest-looking pigs I've ever seen. I thought they were, like, bodybuilder pigs, dude. I'm like, sure. look, at, look at these things. You can see the ribs on them. They're so... I just thought they looked fit. Like that's the yeah. only thing that I could say. I was like, "Oh, these pigs are really fit. They're really muscular." I had no idea. <laughs> sure, but yes. you liked—I uh, like that you liked the Durox before it was cool to like the Durox. Yeah, I mean, uh, we had a few uh, small-time breeders that we always uh, uh, tried to make a stop at, and um, you know, I guess that was my consistency as far as we had the Fort Worth Stock Show there. And, um, you know, was always in the top five with a good red hog. Um, in my younger years and so that that made me partial winning or success I guess makes you like things more than others yeah yeah I mean there there was some I mean that, that was where the best Duroc breeders of that time were though was was in like Oklahoma um, I mean you got Moppus and then Texas I mean there's there's so many people that were raising really good high quality Durocs before it was I mean they were kind of ahead of their time yes sir I'm stuck on the Duroc deal. I'm very happy that you like Durocs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, that's uh, did you did you show any sheep at all or you know whenever like I got to be honest with you, my memory is terrible, but I've seen pictures of me showing some Rambolets when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh um yeah, I guess I, I was uh, strapped to a couple sheep in my prime, sure. You betcha. No, I've got those memories too. I've got I showed two goats one time and for, I had them for maybe like four months. I, I had like 12 hogs on feed, so I didn't have any time for them, but it's one of those memories where I'd like forget about it until I see pictures and I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I remember getting last in showmanship and <laughs> sure. goat showmanship. Cause I had no idea what I was doing. No doubt. I'm sure I have a similar story. It couldn't have been pretty. <laughs> so you played sports too though. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, we uh, moved around quite a bit, but I always liked uh, football, basketball, um, ran cross country and track, just kind of a little bit of everything, or I guess that comes along with being in a small town. Yeah. You're going to kind of have to do it all. So, um, yes, sir. Yeah, I didn't, I grew up in a real big town. I mean, my high school, uh, we had like 700 kids in my graduating class, so I can't relate to the, to the small town feel, but I did... I did play sports and show livestock too, but there came, there came a time like you where in the end I was just, I had to dedicate all my time to livestock because there wasn't sure. any, there wasn't any other time to do anything else. Right. 
And I mean, that's the way it really boiled down to later on in life is, uh, you know, I was always not so much maybe eager at the time, but as soon as football practice was over, it was time to go back to the house and get to work. Yeah. Um, and uh, th- that kind of sums up my childhood there. Now you've got kids. Yes. Do they play any sports or how old are they? So we're, we're awfully young. I've got okay. a year old uh, son there. Um, and he's next year will be of age to actually start showing um, at Texas major. So we're pretty excited about that. Nice. Um, I've always been that uh, dad, you know, at two years old, I'm wondering like, Hey, how much longer are we going to have <laughs> yeah. to wait? And uh, we need to build you know. some muscle on you. Let's get you behind a sheet. Come on. <laughs> sure. I've dang sure burned through some show trailers <laughs> you know, before he's even of age. Yes. Just yes. Trying to get that done. But, uh, and we also have a little girl who's uh, coming up on two years old. Nice. Um, and so she makes it interesting. There are two different worlds. Um, son's pretty chill, laid back like his mama, the little girl. Um, it, it's going to be interesting for everyone involved. Oh, gosh. She's a firecracker, yes. huh? Absolutely. That's, yes, sir. that's what makes a good showman, though. It, it is. <laughs> you know, she's a, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to see, yeah. I guess. Now, yes, when your kids start coming of age and they start showing and stuff, how do, you, how do you go about, as a parent, kind of balancing if they want to play sports and still be super competitive in the show ring, especially with those national shows and everything? How, sure. how do you see yourself going about that? And that's a good question. I, and it's something, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's something, yeah, it's something me and Catherine talk about a lot. And she's, uh, man, she's awfully, she's just an angel. Like, for real, she's yeah. so perfect. In that she's going to be like, I'm going to give them every opportunity to do whatever they're passionate about. And, you know, I, I certainly respect that aspect of it. Um, but there's so much that came from showing livestock that have made Catherine who she is, me who I am. And it's ultimately played into a lot of success and uh, good opportunities for us that I don't think that I ever got from a basketball court or a football field that, that definitely just had to come from showing livestock. So I, I'm going to be a pretty big advocate for it. Yeah. I think the only thing that sports can offer that showing livestock can't is like at an early age, figuring out how to work with a team. Cause sure. I, I know livestock, your family is kind of your team. So you have to kind of de- develop those relationships and, and figure out who's, doing what and who's in charge but that that's one thing that i really look back on and i really appreciate about sports because i played baseball up until i had to decide if i was gonna get a baseball degree or a judging or not a baseball degree but a baseball scholarship or a judging scholarship and the judging scholarship looked way better because i sucked at baseball (laughs) (laughs) no doubt but no i agree i mean there's something to be said for a coach pushing you to your limit you know and find out who you are and you know, I can only do so much, and, you know, that team deal is going to be pretty important. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's a good happy mix in that world. Uh, yeah. Both of us there, and, and hopefully they choose to do so. Now, you brought up Catherine, um, yep. and we can kind of go into your college story, but I just wanted to give a shout-out to Legendary Mindset because Catherine's going to be on there this week, and then you're going to be on there this or on mine this week. 
And I'm, sure. I'm just stoked to have you both on the same week, dude. I asked, yeah. I texted Jake and I'm like, should we release these in the same week? He's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about you going to Tarleton and, yes, and meeting Catherine as well as judging there too. Didn't, didn't you sure. judge at Tarleton? So, you know, I, I did the whole hangout with the crowd deal um, and, and, you know, tried to do that whole team deal and it kind of dissolved um the whole judging uh program kind Uh-oh. of dissolved about that time that that i was of age but you know on another side canon I, I told you before we even started this podcast that i haven't had any time to prep so you're gonna get me as uh in all my glory so i'm not gonna pretend to be something i'm not but in college um i was pretty wild man <laughs> oh yeah okay we're we're pretty similar here Let, keep talking yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to be pretty candid with you in that regard is that, you know, I was uh, pretty wild there to have a good time. I love people, love friends doing that whole deal. Did I treat college as um, important at that particular time uh, as it should have been? Absolutely not. Um, Did not. Um, I was that kid in, in high school that kind of barely did enough to get by um and, and do my thing but and i kind of carried that same thing into the beginning of college um obviously i got humbled quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> as you can imagine but um you know i i didn't really seize those opportunities that were in front of me as much as i should have yeah i uh i have a very similar story man and i i just went into college so uh i don't even know what the word is naive i guess um because i went through high school the same way dude and i don't recommend this to anybody but i'm just trying to get some conversation going here but (laughs) sure i when i was going through high school i knew exactly when i the the amount of work that i didn't have to do and then the amount of work at the end of the semester that i needed to bust my ass for to get like a c or a b to get that and i thought Oh yeah, we're just going to a junior college to judge. I'm here to judge livestock. School just school, school, whatever. School will take care of itself. Man, yeah. I, I don't know what I was thinking. No, uh, it, it kind of goes back to like you know like-minded kind of people, right? So I go out of high school. I'm obsessed with livestock, right? I'm obsessed with being in the show barn. Get to college, and you know, still aren't finding those people. Find the group of kids that are on the judging team, and I'm like, hey. There's other kids that are like me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and started building some relationships and friendships. And, you know, still some of those are, are ones that are still relevant today. Um, very much so. So uh, that was kind of my college intro there. Um, and then after I met Catherine, everything uh, was a lot different from that point on. Yeah. So she kind of, you were a little wild and then you found uh Found the friends that you were looking for, met Catherine, <laughs> sure. and she kind of put you into place, huh? Yeah, she did. I mean, uh, uh, again, I'm going to be pretty open here. So, you know, looking for a girl, right, like every little kid is. Or oh, yeah. Boy, right, in college. And, and so I'm in a small engines class in an ag class, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm in a class <laughs> like that this semester. <laughs> sure. So I'm going to give you the PG version of how we met, uh, the version that I'm going to tell my kids about. And um, if you want to hear the real story, maybe one of the only people that know is Jake. 
So, <laughs> okay, okay. And that is the worst person in this world I could think of who knows something about you. Yeah. Especially so, now that he has a platform. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I've warned him pretty good to never announce that. So, yeah, um, yeah. Give me the PG so, version. Exactly. So, uh, had her in class. I'm like, hey, this girl's pretty cute. And uh, walk outside. And literally, she's walking to like a brand new Dodge Dooley Mega Cab. And I'm like, who is this chick? <laughs> and um, so anyways, I give her my number, right? Being the ultra cool guy. Right um, there on the spot. You just stopped right, her like, right hey, there don't get spot. in that pickup. You better grab yeah. this piece of paper with my number. <laughs> exactly. On. And I mean, it was, yeah, so embarrassing to think about. That was all the game I had right there at Cannon. That's something, yeah. that's, that might be the only game you need sometimes. Though. <laughs> sometimes it worked out. So, uh. Anyways, we're, uh, you know, start dating. And then pretty soon after that, um, I get introduced to the parents. And so uh, you got to, like, think about this. I'm, like, thinking this ultra cute little girl, brand new truck. And she's like, hey, let's go meet mom and dad, whatever. And so we go out there to their ranch. And keep in mind, dude, this place was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And um, we roll up there. And she was pretty she comes by this honestly she was so humble like so we pull up to this ranch and i'm like seeing like literally 30 barns (laughs) everywhere and um we get there and the weirdest thing happened it was like she literally walked in the house changed clothes into some ratty looking stuff and we went to work like literally there was no like Hey, let's hang out, watch a movie, eat dinner type deal. And I was like, hey, this one's different. And so, <laughs> uh, different from the normal. Yeah. So, anyways, we, uh, you know, me uh, being the kind of guy that I was and how I was raised, I mean, very humble beginnings, is that I just jumped in alongside of them and started working. And we worked goats, worked weathers, uh, dehorned, castrated. And um, that was my introduction to the family there. So well, it was pretty neat. Why don't you tell everybody if they have if they don't know who your wife is and who her family is? Why don't you just give everybody uh, an, a description of what you were driving into? Because sure. because they haven't been in the goat deal for a while. And for anybody that wants to know more, go listen to Jake's episode on that legendary mindset with Catherine. She talks about it a little bit more. But give sure. us give us a little bit of what you what you were going into. Yeah, so I mean, as all she said is like, "Hey, my parents raised goats," and like never <laughs> elaborated. Like she never said, "Hey, we're like the best in the nation for that time," yeah. You know, or we're we're like dominating that thing, and you know, and um, so my wife is Catherine Kelly, uh, now black. Um, her father um was Mike Kelly. Her mother is Susie Kelly, and um, they for the time or. At that point, they were Kelly meat goats. And so, um, I'll be honest with you. At that time, I mean, Google was a thing. And so, I was researching, like, what's going on. (laughs) I was a fish out of the water, you know. But I was just uh, going in there. And I knew that she was, like, I mean, outworking most men that day. And Dad was super cool. Um, One of the best guys that you'll ever meet, ever come across. Her mother was a saint, and um, man, it was 
every young man's kind of dream to kind of walk into an uh, you know an environment like that. No, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of guys listening to this right now that are like, where can I find a woman like that? <laughs> sure, it was uh, dumb luck, man. Dumb. No, luck. that's but it's it's dumb luck, but. Um, I mean, I like to think that everything happens for a reason, and I'm sure that throughout the years, just as much as they've helped you, I'm sure you've helped that operation immensely as well. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, my deal was is I, I pretended to know a lot more than I did. As you um, should have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as you right. should have. Worked my way in there any way I could, but, um, you know, basically, I was always a people person, always loved sales, always uh, had a niche for marketing. Um, and, and that just kind of, that was my assumed role as we advanced into engagement and marriage and, and working through that deal is that uh, I'm not going to claim to say that I uh, uh, made, you know, a huge impact in terms of the stock um, itself, but um, from marketing and things to that nature, uh, I like to think that I, I, I pushed it to another level. Yeah. No, and I agree with you. I mean, it, it you can see, I, I remember it, you guys have ramped up marketing on social media a bunch in the past like five years. I mean, sure. it's, it's been huge what you guys have been doing on social media. So it, I, and I've seen that personally. I mean, I, I didn't even know either one of you. And, um, I saw that you guys had sweatshirts and I'm like, those Kelly hair sheep sweatshirts look badass and i don't even i i had seen like 90 head of hair sheep one time and i was like i'm gonna get one of those (laughs) i'm like i I gotta get one of those so me and my buddy kevin actually kevin rogers he uh he actually bought a couple for us and that's one of my that's one of my favorite sweatshirts dude (laughs) i still wear that to to this day it's a clean sweatshirt yeah but uh no everything was uh interesting i mean uh uh just kind of like a lot of judging type kids i'm sure can relate to something like this but you know you grow up in in my particular experience was was with hogs and didn't know a tremendous amount about goats and so i was a sponge at that point in my life as far as being able to soak up every bit of information um from her father and from her herself um and and it just kind of took off from there That, that got me my uh education in terms of livestock at, at that next level. Yeah. Now, when you were going through that process and you and Catherine have kind of gotten together, and I don't know if you guys were engaged or married yet, uh, when you guys began to transition, um, sure. when you got, when uh, Mike sold everything off to Hummel um, yep. and then started dipping into the hair sheep, what, when was that for your guys' relationship? Sure. So we were uh, married at that time. Um, and then, uh, you know, when we sold the goats there, we also sold that ranch, um, in that Eastland Ranger area. And, um, it was at a early time that we knew that her father was ready to retire. He he was ready for that next venture in life or or to try to find something new. And so, um, when we started looking for another piece of property we stumbled upon the place that we're at now or we call home um and 
it was nowhere on the radar cannon that we were going to raise show livestock again. Really? Um, it, it just, it wasn't on anyone's, we, we were done. Um, as a family, we had had that talk and we were like, hey, that, that part of our lives is over. Um, and that lasted probably about a week. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was it was great for conversation, but shitty for application. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I bet you got a lot of weight lifted off your shoulders for a little bit. Sure. Yeah, we were like, you know what? I'm not dehorning, not clipping another one, not taking the stress of a major show. We're, we're done, you know. And um, you know that week, man, it it drugged by. And um, at that point in time, uh, we decided. You know, we had all this ranch land. Her father was a pretty big advocate that uh, he wasn't ever on the cattle side of things. He just didn't like cows. He just said that you could never make a dollar with commercial cattle. And um, and so it was about that time in 2012 that, you know, people were even talking about, you know, publicly anyways, about Dorper sheep. Um it just really wasn't out there in the open or anybody was discussing it. And so we started looking into that thing and literally a couple days later, her dad showed up with a gooseneck load of white Dorper sheep to this new ranch. <laughs> and, uh, Cannon, I can't express enough how ugly they were. <laughs> I mean, just what just, year is this? This is, I mean, this is still 2012. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. And so we unload those things and we're like, oh my gosh, they're so bad. And, but we're like, it's all we need them for is to clean up this place, right? Graze some grass, clean up the trees, that type of deal. And um, so we decided, hey, uh, we're not going to let these just be commercial sheep. We've got to build a barn for them, right? And, have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have to. <laughs> Stand underneath the yeah, tree. Come on, night. man. You got to treat yeah. them right. Exactly. So we build a barn literally way off in the back 40. I mean, because let's be real, like her dad was building his dream property and these Dorper sheep were not a focal point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not front pasture type sheep is what you're saying. No, absolutely not. And so, um, uh, Anyways, uh, we we mess with them a little bit, and then uh, we start hearing about, you know, there's actually some good ones out there, and um, we subscribe to a magazine, which is now the American Dorper Society magazine, and we start looking through there, um, and we're just like, hey, some of these are pretty good, right? So you got to think back, like whenever we had the goats. 90% of that efforts there, that whole breeding scheme was trying to put muscle on a goat, right? Yeah. And then you go look at a natural dorper and all the muscle in the world is there. It's, it's already there for you. Yeah. And we're like, hey, that was all, all, like immediately intriguing, right? And so uh, we start looking around there and start talking. And um, at that time, it was... Uh, like a week before the State Fair of Texas, um, and we saw that 
they were going to have a Dorper class, like Dorper Weathers. And we're like, hey, let's go and look at that. So we all loaded up. It was me, uh, Catherine, and her dad. We went to go watch that show, and we're like, hey, some of these are not terrible. You know? Yeah. They're not, they're not awesome, but they're not bad. And um, so literally, we're on the way back home. We look at that deal, and we're just talking like, hey, that'd be cool to maybe raise some of them or try to make them better. And then uh, her dad dropped a bombshell on us, basically. Um, we get home, and he says, these words, and I'm going to try to paraphrase there, is he said that, you know, when we were raising goats, is all we were doing was competing against other goats, right? There, there's nowhere to really move up from there. And he said, if you want to see how smart you are, go take the dorper that everyone else in the club lamb world specifically perceives as terrible livestock <laughs> for the show ring anyways and make them something that they can appreciate you know like your uh, your blackface breeders or your south down guys you know arguably have had 75 to 100 years jump start on you of yeah. being a club lamb and he said, if you want to make a name for yourself, figure it out. And he said, if you can do that, then you've really done something. And we pondered on that statement for a little bit. And ever since then, we've been writing checks. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. That's... I think that's a very honorable way to look at that, though. I mean, the way that... Um, I mean, you guys all together just kind of came together. I know Mike probably said the deal, but the way that you guys were all thinking, you know, there could actually be a possibility to not only have fun, but also like make this breed extremely, extremely good and try to progress it in terms of a show weather. I think that's sure. incredible. Yep. So that's kind of the goal or the, the fuel behind the fire, um, so to speak in, in the reason why we're doing it is trying to uh, um, almost live up to his expectations or maybe his vision, um, you know, for us in, in doing this. And um, by no means are we close. Are we making progress? Absolutely. Is it obtainable? Possibly. Um, but we have a long ways to go. Um, we've made great strides. Um, to this point now that we're at um, but there's a tremendous amount left to do um, and so that's kind of where we're at in, in today's you know year 2020 we, we're about five six years deep into that goal and um, or that vision and, and that's where we're at today we still have a lot left to do but we've made some pretty big strides now do you think that's accurate that the Dorper breed is 75 years behind um like the Southbounds and the other uh, kind of purebred breeds that have dipped into the show industry? I don't think that we're that far behind in terms of just overall quality um, of livestock. I, I do feel like that we've probably had that uh, disadvantage of trying to, or that much time disadvantage to try to create a finished, there's no such thing as a finished product, so I'm going to use that term loosely, but um, 
to try to make one that's sure enough respectable in the ring. Um, you know, I think that we've uh, caught up to a few breeds there. Um, but as a whole, um, no, I, I still think we're behind the eight ball there. Um, there's some natural aspects of that the Dorper sheep have in terms of rib shape and practicality that I do think that were originally there that gave us an advantage. Um, but just that show ring presence and uh, maintaining the top line and things of that nature, we certainly have some things left to do. Over or under five years till a Dorper wins a Texas major? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I would say it'd have to be over. Okay. I, I really do. I, I think you're right in terms of it being over five years. And I know that kind of sounds uh, pessimistic to say, but there's just, I think the breed has to, I don't know, because the quality is there, like you said, but it just, they haven't begun to like come into shape of that show ring weather that everybody knows about. Unless like the whole industry aspect of like what judges think of the Dorpers changes. Sure. I, I don't see it happening before five years. I, I don't either. I mean, you just think about it is, you know, I like to think that we're making leaps and bounds in terms of changing these sheep or, or making a more uh, relatable livestock. But you know, as fast as we're going, man, those medium wolves are getting flat out good. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's just uh, amazing. You know, some of uh, uh, people that I respect really, really well in this industry, you know, some of them that I think are some of the mentors or the forefathers of this whole thing, you know, they're struggling themselves to keep up. And, and so um, I, I think we'd be kidding ourselves to think that it would happen um, in that short of a time period. Um, but it doesn't discourage us from continuing with that effort. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, um, you know, I, I guess it goes back to that kind of cliche type quote that you hear is if your goals aren't scary enough to make you, you know, <laughs> scared that, that, uh, they're not big enough. Exactly. So, you know, I, I realize that, but also too, uh, uh, we have a lot of motivation, and, and we're hopeful that we can make one uh, good enough one of these days um, to at least get some guys to kind of scratch their head. Uh, that, that that's the goal. Yeah, I it's it's going to be interesting, and I'm really I, don't get me wrong, like I'm not being pessimistic about the breed at all. I'm really excited about the Dorper breed, but you're right, and it's it might be the reason why you guys are dipping into a little black faced use coming up. Um, which I want to talk about soon. But what I wanted to talk about first was you guys said that you're kind of trying to honor Mike's vision. Um, sure. and, and I wanted to kind of uh, dig into your and Mike's relationship because it had to just be incredible to have a mentor like that uh, to learn from and to just learn how this industry works and the ins and outs. And I wanted to, you to kind of speak on that. Sure. Um, there's probably not enough words that I can come up with that, that would do him justice, but I, I'll certainly try is that outside of the show ring and, and being known for the livestock that he created and, and being one of those forefathers that made the modern day market go what it is today. But outside of all of those things, 
that man was humble. Um, like never was the kind of guy to give himself any praise or let anything go to his head. Um, was this down to earth, uh, type of individual that I've ever met in my life. Um, tremendous amount of respect in that regard because anybody who knows me knows that I'm, I'm a little high strung. Um, I get, get kind of worked up, uh, you know, and, and, and certainly, uh, uh, need to be grounded at times. And, you know, he was just an awesome father. Um, like seeing how he was with Catherine and, uh, there's a lot of dads out there that, you know, they use the quote, uh, do as I say, not as I do. Right. Yeah. And he was not that guy. You, you did as he did, you know, he, yeah. he set an example. Um, every morning he woke up, you didn't have to guess about who he was that day. He was consistent every day. Um, and one thing that I liked about him probably the most and, and you know, whenever you marry a, a girl, you, you marry the family. And, um, you know, I, I said that it, uh, Catherine's mother was wonder is a wonderful individual, still plays a crucial role in, in what we do today. But her dad was, um, you know, he came from nothing. Um, is if you had a conversation with him and really got to know who he was on another level is that he was as proud from where he came from as being the breeder of multiple major stock show goats or, or setting that trend. You know, he was always, uh, never forgot where he came from. And, um, that was something that I could relate to a lot because I, I, I came from nothing. Um, and, and I mean, every aspect of that word is, and so did he. And um, it was nice to be able to walk into that and make a relationship with her father that I could be myself. You know, uh, we just got out there. We worked hard every day um, and learned from him and some of that terminology and stuff that uh, or just logic that he had with breeding stock. And I soaked it up like a sponge. And, um, you know, every single day, um, that we're out there sorting stock or making breeding plans. Uh, I'd be lying if I told you that his words or his messages aren't on repeat. Um, and a lot of that stuff that he told us, uh, you know, not just me, but saying it aloud to Catherine and myself, um, is exactly, um, the path or the direction that we're taking these hair sheep in specifically. It just, uh, I can hear by the way you talk about him, and uh, I know he holds a special place in your heart. I wish that he was still alive today that we could get him on a, a podcast episode because I, I wasn't fortunate enough to meet him, but I've heard a lot about him um, from you today and from other people. I mean, he's he, he was a well-known guy, and it's great that you had that you were able to kind of come into that family and just kind of be embraced and and, and just thought of as one of the one of the guys and you were part of the family i think that's that's a great way to be invited into that operation sure no it, it was nothing short of a blessing there, yeah. there's no doubt about that 
Yeah, and I, I like you said, I'm sure he still you still hear his voice sometimes when you're out there in the pen sorting stock. I mean, there's there's still things in your mind today that probably come up to where you're like, okay, yeah, that's that's what he would have done. And then Catherine, sure. I'm sure it comes into her head too. I mean, yes, sir, no I, doubt about it. Yeah. I, and and I wish more people knew about his presence in the goat industry today. Um, obviously, I mean, obviously, one of the biggest. Go ahead. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but. You know, one of the biggest blessings that he that he gave us was, that, you know, it, it's cool to step back and see that he passed and, and he sold, um, you know, the, those goats. And, and you still see those pedigrees popping up at some of the bigger sales and uh, bigger wins that you see today. But, you know, he left behind maybe his, his greatest creation um, in terms of mind and reason um, with Catherine. Yeah. Um, if there was ever a spinning image of an individual in terms of just a mindset poise and the way they carry themselves, it, it, it would be her. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, and I want to do, uh, now that we've talked and I know Catherine's going to be on Jake's, but I want to do an interview with both of you coming up too. I think it'd be fun to just have sit both of you down and, and sure. talk about the operation We might have to do that live though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd be good to do that yeah now i want to dip into kind of your operation now so okay. uh we've talked about hair sheep and and you guys are trying to maintain that breed and make it better but also at the beginning of the, of the episode you just said that you bought some blackface ewes sure what made you kind of want to uh, dip into that sector so with the goats and the hair sheep kind of following the same business model is that we're constantly in defense in terms of protecting those genetics, not letting anything out and holding tight to anything that we feel is next level. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely where a heart is in, in those hair sheep and, and for reasons that we've already discussed, but so we bought out um, Struby Livestock, um, their blackface operation. It was, it created several different things. It was something that we just couldn't be, uh, couldn't pass on at this per, uh, particular point in our lives. Is that any time that you can get the opportunity to buy a flock of sheep that are already successful proven and have a name behind them it's awfully hard to pass up on that and, yeah. and the Scrooby family has done a wonderful job uh, of creating some really neat individuals um, and, and you know we thank them for at least even giving us the opportunity to do so um, but more importantly is that you, you got to think that as we're wanting to grow this hair sheep operation and, and any true uh, show stock breeder will be able to relate to this is that you can raise really, really good stock, but getting them into the right homes is, man, every bit of 75% of the battle. Um, and so our ranch was only a destination for hair sheep, you know, and, and you've got to be... Uh, locked into you know just showing hair sheep if, if you want to come here right and so 
we thought if we diversified a little bit or had another breed to get more traffic to the ranch seemed like a pretty good business decision. Um, and then also it just happened to be able to acquire some stock that was proven and, and really good. And so, uh, you know, in addition to that, it's going to, or we hope that it can, uh, make some livestock there that, uh, that we don't have to protect in terms of genetics. You can kind of sell some that we can kind of, uh, mate and breed uh, accordingly there um, and make stock that we're not afraid to let out, right? Yeah. Because it's so much genetics uh, and variability type and kind uh, of stock in that medium wool deal uh, that's out there. And, and you know, it's, um, for lack of a better term, it, it's all prostituted, right? Yeah. Uh, you can go and buy semen off of whatever ram that you want to and, um, it's just going to allow us to be a little bit more creative and work on a finished product. You know, uh, a lot of guys give us credit for uh, making big jumps and really evolving this hair sheep deal. But you think about it and you step back and like, how hard do we really have to work to make them better? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, and, and that's a, Man, that's as candid and, and as truthful as I can be, right? I mean, you, you had an animal that was not very dang good at all, and, and you try to put a top line, a cool front end, a good chest floor. I mean, and, and you can make big jumps in that regard. And so, uh, you know, with this medium wool deal uh, specifically is that um, it's going to be a whole different challenge. It, it's going to be uh, fine-tuning something that's already pretty dang good. Um and so we're excited about that and not having to protect and hold on to everything that we create um, and just try to have a little bit of fun with the breeding aspect of it. I, you know what? That's something that I have never even thought of, dude. The fact that you guys are putting so much time into this door for breed and trying to make the breed better, but you guys are trying to make the breed better, so you don't you want to hold in those genetics. So it doesn't offer a lot of return on investment. It, and it doesn't. I mean, we, yeah, sure. We we had our first uh, female production sale since we've been in business this year, and I mean they sold incredibly well. Um, just, I mean, through the roof. To be honest with you, and uh, you know what, you know as well as anybody what drives price and stuff is exclusivity, right? Yeah. Supply and demand, and you know we, we like to think that we're creating a product that that can't be had anywhere else, and so. Um, not to say that there's not other breeders that are, that are sure enough trying. I'm not saying that at all, but, uh, we're, we're trying to make something a little bit different. Um, and you know, it's paying off for us, but we're certainly, uh, in defense mode of holding on to some things that, um, are that next step. Yeah, no, that's uh, like I said, I hadn't even thought about that, but this gives you the opportunity to like you said, work with something that's already kind of producing and that way you can not so much be running up a hill at all times, sure. but you're kind of on the same page as everybody. Yes, sir. And so, you know, if, uh, I mean, it, it just, it opens up a lot of different windows and, and, you know, not, you know, just playing off of us, but um, when we lost her dad, he was our, our, our third wheel. You know, if Catherine had an idea and I had an idea that was different than hers, we had our dad as that third wheel to, uh, 
you know, play referee or guide us, right? And so um, we have some friends, uh, one specifically that uh, I think a lot of, um, Chad Walker has stepped up to a pretty big role outside of just being a friend, is that, uh, you know, it takes a true friend to kind of uh, step in there and tell you what's wrong with your lifestyle. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I have him on Snapchat, and if he's not catching hogs, he's usually Snapchatting me something funny, but, you know, he's just a good friend, and then he's an ally to step in and tell us, um, hey, some brutal honesty. Yeah. We need to work on this. We need to work on that. Yeah. Or one is just flat out bad. Um, you know, he's played, uh, whether he knows it or not, but I, I rely on his guidance or advice a tremendous amount. And he's the one who's, uh, you know, not necessarily pushed us, but he has certainly uh, uh, facilitated the opportunity for us to bur- uh, purchase this blackface deal. You know, I don't know Chad uh, personally, but he's on my list to reach out for an interview. So I might have to do that soon, I guess. Sure. Uh, he's uh, in our little group, which is only a handful of us. Uh, he has the nickname as, as the realist. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and if you don't want to hear uh, what he has to say, you better not ask. Yeah. <laughs> so no, he's, uh, I like that, though. You got to have somebody yeah. in your life like that, especially when raising livestock at the quantity sure. that you guys are raising. Because, I mean... You're going to get barn blind on some. Everybody, it, it everybody knows that. Sure. And I mean, I, I can, uh, it, it's always funny. I mean, prior to the blackface deal, I'll, I'll send him a picture, a uh, uh, Snapchat of a uh, Dorper Ram lamb that we re- raised. And I'm like, hey, this is the best one that's ever been made. And he's like, his hip sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right. All right. Uh, back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm listening to you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, and then you tuck your tail between your legs and you walk on. But, no, he's a, a tremendous ally, um, uh, you know, in our operation, great friend, um, somebody I, I respect a great deal for his track record and his opinion. Yeah. Sure. Well, uh, Colton, let's uh, let's plug all your stuff right here, um, all your <laughs> social media, so that we get that out of the way real quick. Okay. Um, so we just recently changed from uh, Kelly Hair Sheep to Kelly Livestock. Um, on Facebook, and that that would be pretty much the predominant platform that we use for advertising or reaching out to that customer base. So you're saying I'm going to need a new sweatshirt is what you're saying now? Yeah, that that's old news. Gosh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I know it. We're going to have to do that then. Um, sure. No, Colton, I, dude, I appreciate you coming on to uh, talk about your guys' deal, and I know, I mean, I reached out to you like nine months ago to do an interview <laughs> yeah sure it, it's been a yeah. while coming but um yeah. as soon as i heard that jake was having Catherine on i'm like okay let's get colton on too because i know, I know they're, they're it's sad that in. it took the motivation of my wife to get you <laughs> to jump on board right? <laughs> well i knew that um i knew Catherine would have more to say about the early years sure and no doubt. and i as soon as i heard that 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 story was getting put out I, I kind of was like, okay, now we can we can kind of push the pr- present times of Kelly Livestock now. Sure. Yes, so, sir. No, thanks for bearing with me and uh, coming on for the podcast. You're, yep. We're going to have to get you on again, like I said. We have to do a live interview now with you and Catherine. <laughs> that sounds good, man. I appreciate the opportunity. No problem. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later. Have a good day. Yes, sir. Bye. Time's limited, so you must listen carefully.
Well, I hope you guys enjoyed it with uh, Mr. Colton Black. He sure is a character, and um, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I, I really like his personality, and I like his story about coming up through the industry and then meeting Catherine, and then just being kind of engulfed in her family, learning the ropes from her father, and then kind of picking up um, with Catherine uh, when her dad passed away. It's, it's it's just an incredible story, and their name has been very, very well known in this industry, and I think it's going to continue to ring true and be well known as they change their name and kind of dip into this Kelly livestock uh, more into the future. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, hopefully um, you guys are too. Hopefully you guys liked it. Stick around. I, I'll have so, I'll have a great episode for you next week. Um, junior college judging coach. Hint, hint. All right. I will talk to you guys later. I love you. Bye.